Good afternoon and welcome to the afternoon show here on Faith FM. Our program is called Looking Up and we want to welcome you to the program this afternoon with me, your host, Peter Watts, and my good friend and co-host, Danny Malenkov. We're so glad that you could join us as we look once again at the situation we find ourselves in the world and how that relates to end-time Bible prophecy. Many are wondering, where is the world headed? Can we know? What does the Bible have to say? Is there any hope? These are the things we want to uh, look at. And we can say from the top of the program, yes, indeed, there is hope. And that's why the program is called Looking Up. Welcome, Danny Milenkov. How are you today? I am praising the Lord, Peter. Glad to be here again this afternoon. Yeah, it's good to have you with us. Uh, let me just share with the listeners um, the way in which you can get in touch with us if you wish to do so. So uh, you could call us if you have a comment or a question about the topic that we're talking about today or indeed any of the topics that we've spoken of in this series so far. You can call us on 1-800-324-843. That's 1-800-324-843. You can also text on 0491-064-669, 0491-064-669. Each of the programs that we've presented here on Looking Up in the past couple of months, you will be able to find them on podcasts if you want to catch up with where we've been, because some of the material that we're covering in these uh, more recent uh, programs, Danny, is quite deep, and we're diving into the deep end, uh, into the heart of the book of Revelation, and uh, we deliberately started with some uh, foundational stones. We, we, we laid a foundation before we got into this deep stuff, and if people want to catch up with that, then they can find the podcast at the website, faithfm.com.au. Go to that website, check out the podcast, and you'll find our previous programs there. And indeed, this program will also uh, be there once uh, once it's been uh, completed today. So, Danny, a lot has been happening. Um, Absolutely. I mean, you and I, before the program, we're just talking about each week we, we do a brief recap on, on some of the week's events, especially as they relate to Bible prophecy. And this week has just been huge. I mean, you know, we don't have time to, to, to begin unpacking them now, but there's just been so much going on here locally in our country, as well as around the world, as well as, you know, huge explosion there in Beirut just, you know, only hours ago. Only so, hours ago. So much going on. All right. Well, we're going to uh, once again welcome the listeners, and we're going to have a little bit of music before we get into our program today. And we'll uh, maybe when we come back, we'll tell you what the uh, main theme of our program is for this week. But uh, in the meantime, we're going to listen to Andrew, Andrew Peterson, Love is a Good Thing. It knocked me down, it dragged me out, and left me there for dead. It took all the freedom I wanted and gave me something else instead. Blew my mind, it bled me dry, it hit me like a long goodbye. Nobody here knows better than I that it's a good thing. Love is a good thing It'll fall like rain on your parade Laugh at the plans that you tried to make Wear you down till your heart just breaks And it's a good thing Love is a good thing Love is a good thing 
take just a little too much But burn you like a cinder till you're tender to the touch It'll chase you down and swallow you whole It'll make your blood run hot and cold Like a thief in the night It'll steal your soul and that's a good thing Love is a good thing we'll Follow you down to the ruins of the great divide Open the wounds that you tried to hide There in the rubble of the heart that died You'll find a good thing Cause love is a good thing Oh, love is a good thing You've been listening to Andrew Peterson and Love is a Good Thing. I think we can all say amen to that. Amen indeed. Um, okay, so welcome back, everyone. Um, let me just uh, begin by letting you know what we will be talking about in the bulk part of our program today, um, and that is we're going to pick up from where we left off last week. Last week, we looked at the topic of the United States in Bible prophecy. Do not adjust your radio. Uh, that, that was a genuine topic, and we really we only probably covered half of it, Danny, so we're going to pick up from there. We said last week at the end of last week's show that we would look at the image, the mark, and the number of the beast. And so uh, this week we're probably going to pick up and look at what is the image of the beast, what is that all about, what is the number 666, the number of the beast? Mm, what is that all about? There's so much about? confusion out there. So much confusion, so much mystery mm. involved with that number. And so uh, we're going to look at that. And in fact, the mark of the beast is such a big topic that we are going to actually do that next week. So mm. if you are uh, tuned in expecting to hear that, you will, but it'll be next week. Today we'll set week. a foundation for Today it. we'll certainly set a foundation. So last week we looked at the identity of uh, a major power represented in the book of Revelation chapter 13. We're going to continue to unpack that, look at some more details and uh, get into that. I'm sure you'll enjoy that. But in the meantime, we're going to take a little bit of look at uh, what's happening in the news because there seems to be a lot happening. It just reminds me of a, a passage in the scripture. Jesus uh, was walking by and the people were crying out and saying, Blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. This was the first coming of Jesus. People were crying out, Jesus is Lord, Jesus is Lord. And uh, the, 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 the religious leaders at the time who were threatened by Jesus, they said, uh, you know, 
tell them to shut up, you know, <laughs> tell them to stop calling out. And Jesus' words were, I tell you, if these should keep silent, the stones would immediately cry out. Mm. And it seems like planet Earth is crying out at the moment in anticipation of the second coming of Jesus because there's just so many things going on. And, you know, whilst we have said before, I think we said in our first episode of this series, Danny, that we see a lot of signs of the times, the, the trends mm, of yes. planet Earth, they're heading in a certain direction. And I remember a time when I didn't know anything about the Bible, anything about Bible prophecy, and I wondered where the world was headed back then, mm. how much more so now. And, um, you know, we could think of Victoria. I know that you've got friends and relatives there. Yeah, that's right. Well, I've got um, yeah, the bulk of my family lives there. I've got a couple of sisters that live up in Queensland. And my dad also lives up there, but I've got um, all my cousins, eight first cousins, and I've got you know uh, two two grandparents that still live in Melbourne. And I was talking to one of my cousins just a couple of days ago. It was her birthday, and so she was just sharing with me um, the mental toll, the mental strain that this whole pandemic is taking on. You know, it, it's yeah, it's. Is, is, is having an impact on her, her family and those around her. And, you know, if there's anyone from Victoria listening, and I'm sure there are people yeah. from Victoria listening right now, especially Melbourne in particular, yeah. you know, our thoughts and our prayers are with you we because this you is, the very best. yeah, we, we really do, we really do pray for you. We're, we're thinking of you. And I remember when the lockdown took place here in New South Wales, you remember at the beginning of, of the pandemic and it was nowhere near I guess it's unprecedented what's happening down there in Melbourne, you know, this curfew, stage four. We've state never. State of the disaster. State I of mean, disaster, yeah. So it's having a huge impact. And so, yeah, our prayers and our thoughts. But you know what, Peter, when I see all these things, um, I'm really sad. But at the same time, um, I'm excited. And let me explain what I mean by that. I'm excited because I see the words of Jesus uh, that, that we have taken from for our radio program, Looking Up, Being Fulfilled, because I just want to read, you You read a passage, and I just want to read from what um, Jesus said in Luke 21. And he said that just before he returns, uh, there would be distress. And I'm reading from Luke 21, from verse 25 and onwards, but I'm just going to pick up a few key words here. Jesus says in Luke 21, 25, that before he returns, there would be distress amongst the nations. There'd be perplexity, and that word literally means confusion, mm -hmm. bewilderment, um, you know, just, just so much uncertainty. Men's and women's hearts failing them from fear of the expectation of the things that are coming. But then, I love these words, Jesus says, now when these things begin to happen, look up, which is where the name of our program comes from. Look up because your redemption draws near. So the more we see uh, chaos unfolding in our world, the closer we are to the coming of Jesus. And so I'm excited about that. I'm deeply distressed and saddened by what my family and sure. many others are experiencing, not only in Melbourne, but around the world. Mm. But these things, as you pointed out, are clear signs that Jesus' coming is drawing nearer and nearer. And we're looking forward to the day when, you know, there'll be no more pain and suffering. When we uh, looked early in the series about uh, the signs of the times, and of course, pestilence was one of the signs of the times mm. that Jesus mentioned, uh, amongst many others that we have looked at and identified and so forth. Um, we, 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 we can't say and we're not saying that this pandemic uh, is the end of the world. What we are saying is it is one of the factors 
that are pointing us to the end of the world and that Jesus is soon to come. And there is so much uncertainty. I love the fact that when we looked at the prophecy in Daniel chapter 2, I love the way that prophecy ends where it says the dream is certain, the interpretation is sure. Mm. And they're very comforting words uh, to me. In fact, I, we, we've, we've just read a couple of verses from Luke, one in chapter 19, the right, I read, mm. you ran, read one there from Luke, Luke 21. 21. At the beginning of Luke's Gospels, he says to his friend Theophilus, I'm writing this to you mm. because I want you to know the certainty of the things that we have seen. And he's writing a, a record so that he can encourage and um, strengthen the faith of his friend by telling him that these things are certain. And so I'm glad that whilst we live in a world that is increasingly uncertain mm. in its direction, in its future, in, in what, what's around the corner, we have absolute certainty yeah. that God knows where we're headed and God has a plan. Yeah, absolutely. And when we talk about uncertainty and 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 the way we live in this precarious world, you know, we can't we can't help but but reflect on what's just happened today. Yeah. Um, there in Beirut, in the Middle yeah. East, I mean, then right there in the heart of the city, a massive explosion yeah. um, that was filmed by a number of individuals on sure. their on their smartphones. You know, it just it looked like something out of um, out of a movie. Really, sure. uh, you could literally see the the heat wave and and the individuals just. You know, falling down with their phones. I um, think I think they said that seventy eight people had died and about four thousand were injured. But yeah. I would imagine that oh, that, that number that will death grow. Toll will that rise number will because will, it was will, a very large explosion. Will grow indeed, and um, yeah. So it just shows how how you know uncertain this how world fragile is. How fragile it is. How fragile. How yeah. things. How quickly things can change. That's true. I was listening on the um, the news uh, about the the fact that you know you've got school leavers who. You know, I think about the young people because they're coming to the end of, some of them are coming to the end of their education or they're coming to the end of high school and they're thinking about going to university and, you know, what or kind of... Or they're thinking of, about work. Exactly. And, and what, apprenticeship, what, what possibly. Does, or What does study look like? What does work look like in the next yeah. six months, the next 12 months? We, we that That's the kind of uncertainty. And I think it's in times like these mm. that we really need to... to Cling on to the promises of God because God has uh, told us that um, he'll never leave us nor forsake us. Um, he has told us to put our trust in the Lord and lean not on our own understanding. Mm. Uh, in all your ways acknowledge him and he will direct your paths. Mm. And I That's uh, Proverbs 3, 5 and 6, by the way. Yeah, thank you, Danny, for the referencing there. But um, I think that's important because uh, that's what we want, what we need is to be able to hang on to those promises Um and uh, to be able to, uh, I, my wife and I were singing a song the other day, A Shelter in the Time of Storm. I hope you weren't singing too loud because well, you got a pretty bad voice. Well, I've got to tell you, we, uh, <laughs> we, kept, the, we kept the doors and windows shut. Um, yeah. But A Shelter in the in time, time of Storm. storm. It's a beautiful hymn. It, it's, I love know, that hymn. That's, pr that's just about where we are. Yeah. Uh, you know, Jesus is our shelter in a time of storm. And it's interesting, Peter, when you think about Jesus on the eve of his crucifixion, mm. um, he shared with the disciples, you know, that famous, uh, that famous statement in John 14, 1 to 3, you know, do not let your heart be troubled. 
Yeah. You believe in God, believe believe also in me, I'm going, but I'll be back. I'm going to prepare a house. I'm going to prepare a home for you in my father's house. So, and over and over again in Jesus, you know, on that final evening, on that Thursday Passover, he says to his disciples, you know, peace. Yeah, that's right. You know, in the world you will have troubles and turmoil, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. In me you'll have peace. So... Let not your world, uh, let, let, let not um, your heart be troubled. Mm. He says, um, "Peace be with you." He says, "Fear not." That's right. All of these reassuring, be not afraid, reassuring yeah. words, because he's the one who can calm the storm. That's right. So, how, if you have Jesus in the center of your life, you have nothing to be afraid of, nothing to be fearful of, nothing to be anxious of, but everything to look forward to. So that's that's the good news. We're going to be looking later on in our program uh, at the heart of the Book of Revelation. And sometimes I know that even Christians, Danny, sometimes are apprehensive about looking at the book of Revelation and they, you know, they maybe find some of the symbols there fearful and so forth. But uh, we're going to be uh, unpacking those simple symbols. And I remember watching a presentation on Revelation and somebody was talking about the words to another song, which is anywhere with Jesus, I can safely, I go. Can safely go anywhere uh, you know, in this world, in these realms below, and so forth. So, um, anywhere, anywhere, fear I cannot know. Anywhere with Jesus, I can surely and safely go. So um, that's where we're going to go. Just one other story in the news this week that I thought I, um, I picked up. I've said before um, in my uh, throughout my life. I mean, I was you know born in '66. Given my age age away now, Danny. I was born in 66, but I was a young boy when uh, they were still flying NASA rockets to the moon. And I remember seeing the capsule. Wait a minute. Were you born before the before the, before man stepped foot on the moon? Yeah. That was 69, wasn't it? That's right. Oh, okay. Yeah. So you were born before yeah, that. Yeah, okay. yeah. Okay. yeah, but I remember seeing, and we used to have these little cards of the, 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 the pod splashing down in the ocean after yeah, yeah. its return to Earth. Yeah. And, of course, that that's what happened this week. Um, SpaceX uh, had the return of its two astronauts from their mission to the International Space Station. And the significance of that is, I think, there's a real sense of urgency now about the the whole space exploration. They're really uh, ramping up, I guess, their approach to trying to get to Mars and trying to establish a colony on Mars. And uh, Elon Musk, the head of SpaceX, he said that uh, once these astronauts come back, he says, we've got the next set of astronauts ready to go. We want to go to the moon. We want to put a base on the moon. And then we want to go to Mars. Uh, because they want to be uh, a multi-planet species. And the reason for that is they recognize how fragile life is here on planet Earth. And, you know, we look around our solar system, we don't find a lot of life out there in the solar system. We we believe that there is much life in the universe, but in our own solar system, uh, you know, yeah. when we've sent probes and other things, we haven't found any other life. And so they're thinking, we've got to get off this planet and it's interesting because Stephen Hawking, the famous British physicist, a few years ago, there was a headline in the news because he had said, we must escape planet Earth if humanity is to survive. Mm. What's fascinating about that, of course, is that Jesus says we are going to leave planet <laughs> Earth when he comes. And That's he, right. you know, he's able to take many more passengers than the, so the Jesus the is planning nine. a space journey. He's that's planning exactly the right. ultimate space journey from yeah from this sin world. And your ticket world. has been paid for. That's right, it has. 
And that was paid 2,000 years ago on yeah. Calvary. And so that's the good news. So the things that man is coming up with, the, the plans and the ambitions that are within the human heart, Jesus already knows them. He's placed them within us, and he already has the plan. Somebody said to me about the, uh, the whole space exploration thing, and I've said before, I thoroughly enjoyed space exploration through the years, and I'm always interested to see what they're doing next. But somebody did say to me, it's a little bit like the Tower of Babel in the sense that these are, uh, it's another part of man's efforts to save himself. Okay, the challenge of Matt to get to the heavens, they were wanting to build a tower all the way to where All to the, the way heavens. to the heavens, yes. So and the idea Preserve is that themselves from another flood. To, we can get to the heavens without the Lord, essentially. Mm, mm, mm. And I think that it's, it's, a, it's an effort for mankind. A, it, we're recognizing that we're in a spot of bother, right? This world... We're polluting the world. We are um, under, you know, the, the warfare that has existed between the nations since there were nations. Um, and, you know, we have self-destructive habits as well, mm. just on a personal level, you know. And so God is trying to save us from ourselves, essentially, as much as anything else. And uh, unfortunately, uh, for, for many Man is not the answer. Only Jesus is the answer. That's exactly And he has right. a plan. And thankfully he has a plan. And that's what we're talking about on our program. Well, we're going to take another break. Um, I think we've got some music. We've got news. And then we'll come back after that. We're going to be listening to the Integrity Singers. What a friend we have in Jesus. And that's what we've been talking about. Thanks for tuning in to Faith FM and our afternoon program, Looking Up. We hope you'll enjoy this music. And we'll come back after the news. Listen up.
Welcome back, folks. It's uh, great to have you with us on this Wednesday afternoon on Faith FM and our series, Looking Up. We're grateful that you've chosen to tune in and join us. And um, Danny, tell us uh, how people can uh, ring in and tune in. And I think we have a free giveaway, too. Yes, we do. At the end of the program, as always, we have a free giveaway and you won't want to miss out on it today. So hopefully you will continue to stay tuned in. And at the end of our program, we will let you know um, about that and you'll be able to call in. Now, if you want to call in for uh, if you have a comment or you have a question. But not the free offer yet. No, not the free offer yet. No, just hold your horses for that. But um, if you want to call in, just you can call on one 800 324-843, that's 1-800-324-843 or 1-800-FAITH-FM. Or you can text us on 0491-064-669, that's 0491-064-669. So um, before we plunge into um, our program this afternoon pete wants to say something (laughs) (laughs) well no i thought what i would do is is maybe i'll i'll do a a little bit of a review of where we've been in the series but Mm. then i want you to give us a review of last week so people know where we are before we dive into this important sounds like a plan all right so in the series like i said before we started out by looking at some of the signs of the times what is the world trying to tell us what is the bible try to tell us in terms of where the world is headed and uh, many of the trends many of the signs that we see in the world we have identified that the bible is telling us 2000 years ago that these are the kinds of conditions that we would expect to see just before the return of jesus at the end of the world and so we looked at a a bunch of stuff in that in regard to uh, the signs of the times and um, we are now looking at some of the more pivotal prophecies of the bible we looked at daniel 2 we looked at daniel 7 we've been looking at revelation 13 in the last couple of weeks and last week we looked at the united states of america in bible prophecy and maybe you'd like to do a little bit of a review of what we looked at danny in the last couple of weeks sure thank you okay uh the first thing i want to just share is we have uh, moved now over the last few weeks we have moved into the very heart of the book of revelation and the very heart of the book of revelation are the three chapters 12 13 and 14 so that's the very heart and we've explored that and we are continuing to explore that now last week uh, we discovered that in the third in, in Revelation 13, so the central chapter amongst those three uh, central chapters in the whole book, we find that there are two beasts, and a beast represents a kingdom in Bible prophecy. We have discovered that this first power that Revelation 13 identifies between verse one and verse 10 is none other than the Roman papacy or the 
or the Ro or, or the Roman papal system, in particular as it relates to the 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 period of Christian history um, that we today refer to as the Dark Ages or the or the medieval period in church history. We discover that at the end of the church's reign as a political as well as a spiritual power, at the end of 1260 years, which comes to 1798, another power would arise. And this second power is described in verses 11 to 17. So it's another beast that comes up not out of the sea, but it comes up out of the land. So it would come up in a sparsely populated area. And we discovered that the identification marks that are given there in particular in verses 11 and 12 clearly identify this power as being none other than the United States of America. Now, we've, we discovered last week that this is not something that we have come up with in the last few months or in the last few years or say even 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 since World War II when America ascended its dominancy in the world and became a superpower but we've discovered that that this um, that this idea uh, was put forward by some um, Christian uh, scholars more than 200 years ago mm-hmm. and um, and it was identified by name by a couple of individuals uh, one being one being Jay and Andrews back in the 1850s, and another one being Ellen White, one of the founders of the Seventh-day Adventist Church um, in the 1880s, well and truly before the United States was powerful. So that's what we've discovered. We've discovered that this power would only would not only be powerful, uh, it would start off... Uh, uh, it would start off espousing Christ-like principles. That's why it was described as a lamb. That's right, a lamb with two horns. That being religious as well as uh, as well as political freedoms that the country would offer. But then, sadly, it would speak like a dragon. And so that's where we are up to. So today we're going to unpack um, this image of the beast. We've we've looked at who this power is, but there's the image of the beast, and there's also the mark of the beast, which we're going to look at next week. So today. We want to take a look more at at what the Bible has to say regarding regarding the United States and its prophetic role at the end of time. Well, yeah. So uh, today, particularly, there's a couple of areas that we're going to look at. Last week, at the end of the show, we said we're going to look at the image, the mark, and the number of the beast. Okay, and we will not have time to unpack all of that today. So we've reserved next week to look at the mark of the beast. However, um, in terms of the image and the number of the beast, we are going to take a look at that today. So how does the United States uh, form an image to that first beast? And we're going to look at that. Now, for, for maybe if you're listening to this for the first time, we're diving into the deep end as we are in the book of Revelation. And I just wanted to mention a couple of things that maybe make this a little bit more obvious. So the Roman Catholic Church has been the most dominant Christian church in the last 2000 years, right? It's been the one that has made the headlines it's been the one that's been the largest uh, and the longest uh, you know running in the last 2000 years and so it would make sense that it would be featured in bible prophecy you know it would make sense that god would uh, reveal that what was going to take place particularly because it became a persecuting power and it persecuted god's people Um, and so uh it makes sense that that would be revealed in Scripture. Likewise, with the United States of America, if it has a major role to play, it's got to be a major nation in the world, have major influence in the world to be able to influence the whole world. Um, and again, it would make sense. 
uh, if that was the case, that God would reveal it in Scripture. So um, either God knows the future or he doesn't. And the Bible clearly tells us that he does. So we want to take a look at the idea of the image of the beast. So as we said, maybe we'll go to Scripture at this time, Danny. Mm -hmm. Let's go to the book of Revelation. We were here last week, but we're going to go back to the book of Revelation, chapter 13. And we're going to go back to verse 11. Okay. We have identified this uh, beast coming up. A beast in Bible prophecy simply represents a kingdom, a nation, or a political power. And, and we get that answer from Daniel chapter 7. From Daniel chapter 7, that reveals that very clearly, that these different uh, creatures, these different animal-like creatures, these different beasts represent a nation, a country. And so here in Revelation thirteen eleven it says, Then I saw another beast, another nation, coming up out of the earth, a sparsely inhabited territory. Excuse me. And he had two horns like a lamb and spoke like a dragon. This is that strange dichotomy that it begins lamb-like. It has these Christ-like principles of uh, freedom, uh, civil freedom and religious freedom. Um, and then, but it says it will speak like a dragon and that is the devil. Mm. And it's interesting that, you know, we talk about civil and religious freedom. Uh, the United States, um, its, its, its government is grounded and founded on republicanism, yep. which is uh, a state without a king. And Protestantism, which is um, a church without a pope. Yep. So uh, freedom of religion and the people elect yes. uh, the president and those that administer um, political office, yep. which, is, which was unheard of in the old world. Yeah. So and then let's move on to verse 12 because we have covered this last week and we don't just want to repeat what we've said last week. Uh, but we're going to read through to set the stage. And it says, he exercises all the authority of the first beast in his presence. So there's a couple of things here. This second beast, the United States, is going to exercise all the authority that the first beast exercised. Exercising so it's going to be a carbon copy in years gone of by, the first beast. It's going to be very similar. And then it says, in his presence. In other words, this beast has recovered. Mm. Okay, This first beast has recovered. We looked at that last well, week as well. well as, as you read, it says that. Yeah. Uh, and it causes the earth and those who dwell in it to worship the first beast whose deadly wound was healed. So, yep. mm. so it's going to exercise the same kind of authority that the first beast exercised in the medieval period. So it's very hard for us, I think, Danny, who live in a free country, and we can praise the Lord that we live in a free country, but it's very difficult for us to imagine just how much influence the church had over a person's life in medieval times. Um, for us living in free Australia, we can believe what we want. We can believe in this faith or that faith or the other faith or no faith. Right? We have the freedom to do that. We can live pretty much where we want. We can marry who we want. Uh, we can do whatever kind of work we want. Uh, these choices were very much influenced by the church back in the medieval period. Well, you could only marry if the church gave you the go-ahead back then. You exactly. could only reign if the church gave you the go-ahead. Yeah. Go and, you know, King Henry is, yeah. is a good case in point. Yeah. So, um, yeah, the church dominated during the Dark Ages, during the medieval period. Yeah. So this is the kind of thing it's saying he is exercising all the authority of the first beast in his presence. We're going to come down. I want to move through these verses because we want to get to the image of the beast. Okay. Verse 13, he performs great signs that he even makes fire come down from heaven on the earth in the sight of men. Um, we'll pick up on that uh, maybe a little later. And he deceives those who dwell on the earth by those signs which he was granted to do in the sight of the beast 
telling those who dwell on the earth to make an image to the beast who was wounded by the sword and lived. And he was granted to give uh, power to give breath to the image of the beast, that the image of the beast should both speak and cause as many as would not worship the image of the beast to be killed. Here we have, this is why this becomes a very um, serious issue at the end of time, because you have the state threatening death upon those who will not comply, Mm. essentially. So um, now when we talk about this image of the beast, an image here, it's, it's a little bit like when we were looking at Daniel chapter 2 a few weeks ago, there was an image. That's right. It was a statue, essentially. It was a likeness of something. Okay? And here we, we've got, it's an image of the beast. So, in other words, it's a likeness of that form of beast. In other words, the second beast, whilst it would begin like a lamb with civil and religious freedom, ultimately would become more like the dragon. And we know that it's the dragon who gave the first beast his seat, his power, and great mm, authority. That's right. So the fir- this second beast that, that claims itself to be the land of the free is going to morph. It's going to change. It's going to transform into a power that acts very much like the first beast. It's going to form an image to that first beast. In other words, just as the first beast was a political state that held enormous religious influence. It had religious power and political power. So too, this political power will act religiously. And it's interesting, Peter, because if we take a look at the Christian church, the Christian church did not begin through the apostles or the disciples that continued the journey after Jesus went back to heaven. It didn't begin by persecuting uh, those that chose not to be followers of Jesus. Instead, the church was being persecuted by the Roman government authorities. But then it changed and it morphed into being a persecutor using the government authorities. And so what you're saying is the United States is going to begin in the same way from providing freedom of religion to actually persecuting those that don't go along with a certain religious uh, religious agenda. That is very interesting, Danny. I didn't think of that. It's actually following that same pattern, isn't it? Because when the, when the Christian church began, not only did it not uh, work with the state... But it was, like you say, it was persecuted by the state. So the church existed separate Mm. from the state. And it's only when you bring those two together that you start to see problems. In fact, when you see religion and the state together, sometimes we see this in some Islamic countries. We've been there. You and I have travelled in the Middle East, right? That's right. And we have been to a variety of different Islamic countries. And some are very moderate and others are more strict. That's right. And so, um, you know, we went to Iran last year and we uh, were, were told that there are not only the regular uh, authoritative police, but there's also the religious That's right. police. And so um, when you have religion and the state working together, that usually spells trouble for anybody not conforming to the state religion. That's right. And this is what we're seeing beginning to be prophesied here in the book of Revelation chapter 13. Fascinating stuff. We're going to come back and talk some more about the image of the beast when we uh, come back. We're going to have some music from a friend of mine, Melissa Otto. And this, uh, this song is simply called Love. Love. 
Thank you to Melissa Otto and that beautiful song called Love. Well, we are back here on uh, Faith FM and Looking Up. We are looking at the heart of the book of Revelation. We're looking at uh, Revelation chapter 13. We're looking at the two beasts that are represented there, and we have recognized that these two beasts represent two political powers that uh, act in a religious way. And the first one represents the Roman state power. And the second one represents the United States of America that forms an image to that first beast. And I want to pick up again. We're just going to go to Revelation chapter 13, verse 15. I want to read this out to you because this has not happened yet, but it is predicted that this power, the U.S., will become this kind of persecuting power. But we can clearly see there, there are movements afoot to have yeah. this take place. But we'll, we'll get to that as we go along. Well, yeah. So notice this here. It's, it's he, talking about the United States, was granted power to give breath to the image of the beast, that the image of the beast should both speak and cause as many as would not worship the image of the beast to be killed. This kind of language about the image and worship and a death decree is lifted from Daniel chapter 3. And That's so right. maybe you want to comment, Danny, on a little bit on Daniel chapter 2, Daniel chapter 3. What's going on there and how does this relate? Okay. Well, Daniel chapter 2, we've, we've looked at, at that and that's um, a, a great message that you'd want to listen to if you didn't hear that. It's on one of our podcasts. In Daniel chapter 2, God gives King Nebuchadnezzar a dream and he outlines human history from the days of King Nebuchadnezzar all the way through to the end of time and beyond to the coming of Jesus. Right. And uh, God... In this, in this dream, shares with King Nebuchadnezzar uh, through the through an image um, that he was well familiar with. Through an image, different metals that represent different kingdoms. For example, the head of gold was Babylon, chest and arm of silver of Medo-Persia, and Greece were the belly and thighs of, of bronze, and so on and so forth. And so you have King Nebuchadnezzar and his kingdom represented by this head of gold and that was a fitting symbol because Babylon was filled with gold. One historian said there was more gold than dust in Babylon. <laughs> Even the Bible calls it the golden That's city. right. That's right. Even that's the right. Bible calls it the golden So city. that's an appropriate symbol. Anyway, so we go to Daniel chapter 3 and in Daniel chapter 3 there we have so that's the very next chapter we have King Nebuchadnezzar the same king and he raises up a statue, or raises up an image, I should say. You could say a, a statue, an image, yeah. some 30 meters high. Mm. Okay, some 30 meters high. That's tall. That's very, very high. Or 60 cubits, okay, according to the New King James or the King James, 60 cubits high, six cubits wide. And when we're not given the, when we're not given the depth, it's usually the same as the width. So mm. we've got six cubits deep. So we've got... Three sixes there. Now, the significance That's of this is... We'll come to that later. The significance of that is that there are three sixes that appear in Revelation yeah. 13. Yeah. There is an image that is set up in Daniel chapter 3, and it's set up of all gold. So basically, King Nebuchadnezzar is saying, I've got news for you, God. My kingdom is not only going to be the head of gold. My kingdom is going to be all the way through from the head to the toes, all the way through from top to bottom. He wanted his kingdom to last forever. That's right. That was basically it. And that's what you find in, in Daniel chapter 4. You know, he talks about his wonderful kingdom that's going to last forever and so on and so forth. Anyway, um, so here in Daniel chapter 3, we have this image that is set up all of gold and everyone is commanded to worship this image or else. Else they are thrown in the fiery furnace. So there's a death decree. There's a death decree, just like worship, in Revelation. Worship the image 
Or die. Or die. Essentially. Exactly. And so what we have, and many know the story, it's, it's a famous story, a wonderful mm. story. We have three Hebrews, uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, the three friends of Daniel who defy the king's command and they stand. And, um, they and stand for truth. They stand for truth. They stand for Jesus. <laughs> stand up, stand and up know, for Jesus. And, and they end up in the fiery furnace. And this is where yeah. Daniel, uh, sorry, this is where Revelation 13 also has Jesus in the center. And I'm going to get to that in just a moment. Jesus is in the center of, of these three Hebrews that are thrown into the fiery furnace. Yep. Uh, there is no, there, there is no damage to their clothing. There is no damage to their hair, no damage. They come out and there's Jesus in the middle. And in Revelation chapter 13, we have the Lamb. We have those who are written in the Lamb's book of life that Christ is with them through the crisis. Mm. So there's another image set up. There is a death decree, but God has his faithful and true people at the end of time, as he did two and a half thousand years ago in the fiery furnace. And he is able to deliver them just as he was able to deliver them at the time of Babylon uh, through that fiery furnace situation. He is able to deliver his people at the end of time. But it's interesting what the three boys say. They say, our God... He can deliver us. Yes. However, if he chooses not to, that's okay with us. Let it be known, O King, we will serve him and worship him alone. Now, t- now, let's think about what was the reason why they were unwilling to worship this image. Obviously, it's because in the Ten Commandments, the second commandment says, you shall not make any images and bow down and worship them. It's very explicit. Uh, now, it's interesting. It doesn't say, you know, if you've got a, little uh, statue of a dog on your mantelpiece or uh, on the shelf there, that's not going to be a problem so long as you don't worship it, right? Um, so, but it does be, it's explicit in the uh, Ten Commandments. He says, do not make an image to anything in heaven above or on earth beneath and worship it. Don't, don't do that. And that is because God is a living God. If we fashion an image out of wood or stone or metal, uh, we are the creator of it. We've made that image. Uh, whereas God made man in his image, we can't make God in our image. Mm. Um, there's, there's a big difference there. So, yes, so this, this uh, passage in Revelation 13 is drawing on the language of Daniel chapter 3. Essentially, state-endorsed worship, an image is set up, worship the image, or, or threaten you're threatened with death. It's interesting because you have you have but false, God delivers his he faithful. Does, he does. Anyway. I mean, you've got God. Sorry, not here. You've got the king, okay, or the state mandating worship in in Daniel chapter three. Yes, we have false. Well, false worship is being mandated yes. um, at the point of death, and in Revelation thirteen, you have also once again false worship. Being being prescribed or being mandated at the point of death, and it's interesting that in Daniel chapter six, there's another story there, and there and there you have true worship prohibited. So in Daniel chapter three, you have false worship enforced. In Daniel chapter six, you have true worship prohibited, and that's exactly what's going to happen at the end of time. At the end of time, we're going to have false worship mandated, according to the book of Revelation, and true worship which we find in Revelation 14, 7, those who worship him who made heaven and earth the sea and the springs of water, which we've looked at, the true day of worship and true worship, that will be prohibited. So it's fascinating how history repeats. I can't help but think of Solomon's words. You know, there is nothing new under the sun. 
And it's so true. You know, history will repeat itself. And that's exactly what happened in the, uh, and we looked at Christian history. In Christian history, a false day of worship um, was prescribed and mandated. And those who worshipped on the true day of biblical worship, the seventh day Sabbath, they were seen in a very negative life and they were being persecuted. Yeah. What's interesting about this, Danny, this is, this is uh, fascinating because I want to bring us down to our day right now, mm. okay? Because people might be saying, well, look, I cannot imagine the United States of America uh, becoming a religious persecuting power. I just can't imagine that happening because it's written into the Constitution. It is. The First the Amendment. United States the First Amendment. To, you know, the United States will not prescribe any law in relation to religion, in, the, in relation to practices of religion. So it's actually within their Constitution. And so people can't imagine it happening. But I want to draw people's attention to the fact that we are currently living in a world that has changed dramatically in a very short period of time. We would not have imagined that Victoria would be living in a state of disaster right now. Uh, just six months ago, we would not have imagined that that would have happened, right? So um, here's the thought. Can you, people might say, well, can you really imagine a modern Western Christian nation persecuting Christians or persecuting believers in God? I want to draw people's memories just back a few decades to Germany, mm. which was a modern Western Christian nation. And that nation, under the right circumstances, was caused to persecute a group of people. And you know what? What was interesting? Those people were Sabbath keepers. Mm. They were. You yes. see what I'm saying? So in other words, we don't have to look too far back in history to a modern Western Christian nation that became a persecuting power. Well, let's, let's, let's take a look at the United States and yep. World War II. During World War II, after the Japanese bombed Pearl Harbor, yep. those who were of Japanese origin living in the United States as citizens of the United States, many of them were rounded up. Yep. And they were and they were put in prisons, put in camps. Yeah, put in camps. So I mean, we 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 have that. So I, I, it's really interesting what our prime minister said at the beginning of the pandemic when um when he was beginning him and his government and state governments um, together were rolling out these unprecedented measures um, of lockdown and, and so on and so forth. And basically, I remember what he said. I remember exactly what he said. I didn't yeah. quite jot it down, but it was along sure. these lines. He said, unprecedented times require unprecedented Measures. Measures, exactly right. right. I remember the, the quote. And, and that's what he said. And my ears perked up and I couldn't help but think of the prophetic scenario that you and I are talking about, which is ridiculous, far-fetched. It's just... On the Looney Tune show, let's be honest, you know, it's just Looney Tune. It doesn't sound reasonable. 10. No, it's not, not even close. Um, however, the right circumstances yeah. will bring about changes. And the Bible says that at the end of time, there's going to be fear, there's going to be anxiety, there's going to be great stress, perplexity amongst the nations. We've, we've talked about that in Luke 21. And under those circumstances, strange and unusual and unprecedented things yeah. can and will happen according to Bible prophecy. Yeah. And we, we are literally we're living through at this very moment a world changing event we are living through a world changing event and that doesn't happen every week 
right? Uh, in this COVID-19 crisis, we are living through a world-changing event. Whatever happens with COVID-19, if it does come to an end, if, you know, they do find a vaccine and we return to normal, well, that's fantastic. But it will have changed the world, even if that happens. And if, it, if they don't find a vaccine, then what, what other changes will need to take place? And uh, obviously, at this point in time, it's very interesting to have watched in the past six months and even this week with the um, state of disaster in Victoria, how human behaviour changes under crisis Well, conditions. everyone's wearing a mask. You have well, to wear a mask. Everybody's wearing a mask. Well, that's mandated in, in Victoria. Yeah. I wore a mask this morning. I had an appointment this morning, and they were recommending if you come to this appointment, you need to wear a yeah, mask. So absolutely. I did. Um, even places of worship now, we are recommending people to that's wear That's right. That's what the government's masks. saying. Yeah. That's what the government's saying. That's, that's even what some of the churches are saying, recommending the wearing of masks for that purpose. But also I'm talking about when I guess we become fearful. In the Bible, you, you mentioned it already, men's hearts failing them from fear and the expectation of those things which are coming upon the earth. So you have, when you have fear, people begin to behave in uh, unpredictable ways. And, you know, we've already seen the panic buying um, in the supermarkets. We saw it at the beginning of the pandemic. We saw we've toilet paper fights in That's the supermarket. Right. Please right. have yeah, mercy. And we've seen fighting over toilet paper, uh, but it happened. And we've seen stockpiling again this week because of the Victorian mm. um, lockdown. So, I, what I'm saying is that um, we may look at a nation like the States that is uh, free, uh, you know, a free country. And it's called the land of the free. And it's Home of the brave. Stood for these freedoms that we've talked about, religious liberty and civil liberty. But according to Bible prophecy, there will come a change. And I think we've seen some hints of that change. And I want to I, I reflect on some of those. Not now. We yeah. don't have time. We're going to go to some We're going to go to soon. break in a minute. But there are some things that I want to that, that I want to bring to our listeners' attention yeah. that are showing that, yeah, we're creeping very quickly in that direction. Yeah, I mean, even from the perspective, you remember that, you know, after 9-11, we had the uh, the Second Gulf War and you had, you know, some practices that were being used by the, the US that we might call torture, you know, of prisoners that they had, um, you know, captured um, in that war. Um, and then, you know, when Trump came into to power, he said, you know, he wouldn't hesitate to use those methods. Mm. Um, so it's very fascinating when you think about the land of the free and all of those implications. All right, well, we're going to take another little break. We're becoming, covering some heavy stuff, but we want to know what the Bible says about the end times, and so that's what we're doing in this program. We're going to go some more music. Malvinus is going to sing Leaning on the Everlasting Arms.
was Leaning on the Everlasting Arms by Malvinus, and I uh, hope you enjoyed that music. So, Danny, we've been talking about the image of the beast from um, Revelation chapter 13, and you had some thoughts on the image of God and the That's image right. of the beast. Uh, take it away. Well, the first time uh, the image um, appears in Scripture is right there at the beginning, in the very first chapter of the Bible, Genesis chapter 1, where the Bible clearly says that God created man and woman in his own image. In the image of God, he created them male and female. He created them. Mm-hmm. And so God created us in his image. He created us in his likeness. He created us essentially with the freedom to choose. With the freedom to choose to worship him, to give our allegiance to him, or not to do that. And, and, to, and to make that clear and evident, God placed two trees in the middle of the garden. 
And based on what tree um, Adam and Eve would partake of and what tree that they wouldn't partake of, they would choose to either worship God or not worship God. They the point, free choice. The point here is free choice. So we are created in the image of God to worship God with freedom, with freedom, which is how the United States that was. That was really the land of the free. That is the land of the free. It was the land of the free um, there in the Garden of Eden. So... So I haven't thought about that, Peter, but you are right. So the, the United the States, the United States, uh, built its constitution on the original land of the free, which was the Garden of Eden. However, sadly, as the serpent, and here's a thought I'm just thinking of right now as I'm running along, as the serpent entered into the land of, of the free, that serpent of old entered into the Garden of Eden, so the serpent at the end of time enters into the United States of America and the dragon speaks. Now, isn't that a powerful thought? It is. And so... This country. Talk that about was, the contrast between those two images. Oh, and so, so, so the contrast is you have, you have the image in the garden that allows for the freedom to choose and the image in Revelation chapter 13. And as we pointed out in Daniel chapter three, that image causes men and women to worship a certain way or death will ensue. So there's a coercion there. Exactly. There is a force behind well, that, it. It's it's mentioned three times yeah. in the text. Coerce, that's you know, right. he will he will coerce. So that's the difference between, and this is important, Danny, because when we're talking about the beast and the worship of the beast and trying to identify these powers, which the Bible gives us all the clues that we need, it gives us all the symbols we need and the interpretation of those symbols. Um, what we're talking about it's very important because a couple of weeks ago we talked about Antichrist, and. Obviously, there is Christ in the Bible, and then you also have this power called Antichrist, which is in essentially in the place of Christ. That's right. And it's trying to set itself up as an image, if you like, of the true, but it's behaving in a different way to the way God would behave. And the truth is for every truth that God has, the enemy comes up with a counterfeit. And so we have the true image of God, which is the freedom to worship, and the false counterfeit image, which is prescribed and forced worship. All right. Well, thanks for that, Danny. All right. One other element. We we sort of brushed over this. I want to get back to this. Going to spend a little bit of time here talking about the sign that comes, the fire that comes down from Mm. heaven. Okay, just want to talk a little bit about this in the context of identifying that first beast power as Rome, that second beast power as the United States that will form an image to the first beast. In other words, it's going to become more and more like that first beast power that was both religious and uh, political. And so I want to read from verse 13, talking about the second beast, America. It says, he performs great signs that he even makes fire come down from heaven on the earth in the sight of men, and he deceives those who dwell on the earth by those signs which he was granted to do in the sight of the beast, telling those who dwell on the earth to make an image to the beast who was wounded by the sword and lived. What is this fire that comes down from heaven? Uh, Some have thought about uh, the time that Elijah called fire down from heaven that consumed the sacrifice back in the book of Kings. Um, where there was a choice to be made between worshipping the true God or worshipping false idols and false gods, false images, no less. Um, but also what's fascinating is when, when, when else do we see fire coming down from heaven? You know, fire has often been a symbol uh, of God himself mm. and particularly of the Holy Spirit. 
when the children of Israel were led through the wilderness, uh, they were led by a pillar of cloud in the day and a pillar of fire at night time. Right. Uh, we've already talked about the fact that God answered by fire when Elijah prayed and consumed the sacrifice. Um, but there's a, a passage particularly, um, in fact, uh, John the Baptist talks about when he was baptizing by water and they were coming to him and he was saying, there was one who comes after me and he will baptize you by, baptize you by fire and by the Holy Spirit. Mm, that's right. You remember that? Yep. And so fire and the Holy Spirit, there's some uh, connection there, you know, there as is. a symbol. And what you find in the book of Acts chapter 2 is in the book of Acts, on the day of Pentecost, the uh, disciples were praying. Jesus had said, stay in Jerusalem, pray until the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And they were praying. They were united there, waiting for the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit came, and it came in the form of tongues of fire that sat upon each one of them. And they began to speak with other tongues. And what that meant was, and we can read it very clearly in the passage in the book of Acts, they began to speak in the languages of many of the people that were there. There were people from all around the empire that had come back, Jew, Jewish people who'd come from all around the Mediterranean, all around the Middle East, come to Jerusalem for the Feast of Pentecost. And they heard the disciples speaking supernaturally, Holy Spirit powered, but they heard them speaking in their own language in mm. which they were born. That's very significant. These were real languages. Could it be in this passage in Revelation that you have great sign that fire comes down from heaven in the earth in the sight of men? Could you possibly have a counterfeit? You've mentioned before, for every truth of God, there's a counterfeit that there the devil is, has. Indeed. If God has Holy Spirit power coming down on the day of Pentecost that looks like tongues of fire on the disciples, could it be that this counterfeit calls fire down from heaven, a false uh, version of the Holy Spirit, a false revival that's also intimately connected with the gift of tongues and that you have this startling revival that also influences not only Protestants but Catholics. And what's fascinating about this is the modern um, charismatic movement began in the United States around the year 1900. That's right. That's where it comes from. And so and it, today we have over 50 years of the Roman Catholic charismatic movement. So in other words, this is not just Protestants or evangelicals. There are Roman Catholics who embrace this charismatic movement. And one of those Roman Catholics just happens to be Pope Francis. The current Pope is a charismatic. Mm. And he has attended uh, Christian services where you've got evangelicals and Catholics together worshipping and who believe in the gift of the Holy Spirit and the gift of tongues. Could this be a counterfeit of the giving of the Holy Spirit back on the day of Pentecost where tongues is involved in order to bring together Roman Catholics and Protestants in the United States. That's a good point, Peter. I haven't, haven't quite thought of um, a number of the things that you point out, but I, just, just, just your last thoughts there on bringing together. Yeah. You know, that's, that, that's the key phrase at the moment, you know, uh, Catholics, um, evangelicals, and all others coming together. And it's interesting because 
on the day of Pentecost, the Bible says they were all together, it uses that language, and they were of one accord. And so the Holy Spirit fell. And as you pointed out, you know, the tongues of fire was the outward symbol of the Holy Spirit falling and filling them all. And that's what you have today. That's that's the cry that we all need to come together. Correct. And, um, and it's not just Christians, but Pope Francis has been foremost, uh, more so than any other uh Pope in in history in seeking to bridge bridge the chasm between Catholics, Protestants, um, Islam, Buddhism, Hinduism, you name it, um, all the different religions. He's seeking to bring all together under the one umbrella. And of course, you know, we need to say at the outset, we're not against unity. No, we believe not. that brothers and sisters in Christ should come together as one body. But the reality is, under whose authority who is god who is christ is it going to be the christ of the bible or is it going to be the antichrist power that the bible clearly reveals that is seeking to draw attention away from the genuine christ to the antichrist and so that's the thing for me is yes we should unite absolutely we should unite but we should unite around the god of the bible Around the Jesus of the Bible. It says um, not only that fire will be coming down from heaven, but in verse 14 it says, you know, he deceives those who dwell on the the earth by those signs which he was granted to do in the sign of the beast. And um, so you've got signs and wonders, you know, Mm. miracles. And and it's fascinating to me that there is so much emphasis today in Christian circles um, on on the miraculous, you know, and, and on signs and miracles and healings and so on and so forth. And I believe in that. That's very scriptural. But the problem is, the problem is when we allow signs and miracles and wonders to trump uh, the scriptures, yes, um, and maybe, maybe trumps the wrong word. <laughs> trumps probably the wrong word, but anyway, to supersede the scriptures. Yeah. yeah. And so when when miracles and signs become, uh, you know, we're, we're no different to to what Jesus was tempted by the religious leaders. Show us a sign. Yeah. Bring down fire from heaven, and we'll believe you. Give us a sign. And Jesus pointed them to the scriptures. Yeah. So true. All right. Well, we're going to leave that little part behind, and the next section of uh, Revelation talks about the mark of the beast. We're going to do a whole program on that next week. But we want to skip down to the bottom verse, uh, Revelation thirteen eighteen, and a lot of speculation, a lot of talk mm. has been uh, made in we regard to We should read that out stuff. first. Well, I'm going to. It's, mm. uh, it says, Here is wisdom. Let him who has understanding calculate the number of the beast. For it is the number of a man, his number is 666. I need to go back one verse, and I'm going to read that too. It says that no one may buy or sell except one who has the mark or the name of the beast or the number of his name. Mm. There are four elements there, Danny, that we want to really unpack. One is there is the number of the beast. Yes. It is the number of his name. It is the number of a man, and the number is 666. Mm-hmm. So there's four elements there. We're going to pick up each of those uh, as we look at this because people are wondering, well, what is this uh, 666? Some people think that the mark of the beast is 666. Now, I want to say very clearly that the image of the beast we've already talked about in this program. It's the, the combination of church and state. Yes, the combination. To prescribe of, worship. That's exactly what it is. Then you've got the mark of the beast and the number of the beast. And the mark of the beast and the number of the beast are not the same thing. No, they're not. 
They're not the same thing. Some people believe that you're just going to get 666 stamped on your head or tattooed on your arm or it's going to be on your credit card. Or well, that's what you see on a lot of websites. You see, you do. Books, you see, videos, There's movies. a lot of that about. And so we want to make sure that people understand that there's a differentiation of the mark of the beast, which we will study in detail next week, and the number of the beast. The number of the beast simply is another characteristic. It's an identifying characteristic of the beast power. That's right. All right. It's not called the number of the beast for nothing. It is the number of the beast. It's an identifying characteristic of the beast power. Now, we have already looked at 10 identifying characteristics of the Antichrist in Daniel 7 alone. Mm. Then we come to Revelation 13 and we see other identifying characteristics. There's at least a dozen of them all up. And this 666 is another That's right. identifying characteristic of the beast power. We need to make sure that the people understand that because that way it enables us to clearly get to the crux of the matter. Now we have said 666 is the number of the beast. It is the number of his name, uh, the number of a man, and it's the number of his name. Okay, so we're going to be able to, to look at this. Now, first of all, if 666 is the number of the beast, the first question is, do we know who the beast is? And we have said in the last few weeks, we looked at the, uh, the beast of Revelation chapter 13, 1 to 10. That first beast power we have identified as the medieval uh, Roman church state power. Okay, the papal power that we would call today. And we noticed in Revelation 13 that it would receive a deadly wound which it did in 1798, but that the deadly wound would be healed and all the world would marvel and follow the beast. Okay, so there would be a healing of this wound. And so when it says that 666 is the number of the beast, what we're saying is 666 is the number of the Roman church state. Okay, that's that's essentially what it's saying. And it's the number of a man and you would expect that to be the main man. So we're going to come back and unpack some more of those details because we need to start at the beginning on that one. But we will come back and we will look at, not only is it the number of the beast, but it's the number of the uh, of a man and it's the number of his name. Let's go to some uh, music now. Anna Beden, Unimaginable. Let's listen to some music and we'll come back. deep inside your soul Have you ever felt a love that never would grow cold and have you ever found the peace that trumps no matter what may come and the patience of a high school teacher <laughs> There's a place we're going to There's a place with all those puzzle is filled Have you ever seen kindness all around And goodness triumphing evil in every round And faithfulness holding on till the bitter ending The gentleness of a baby duckling There's a place 
that's my name you call Jesus it's you I'll stand before Totally in all It's unimaginable There's a place we're going to At Jesus' feet all things will be made new And there's a place where all our longings are fulfilled Missing peace in the puzzle is filled You've made me completely Welcome back, everyone. Thank you for continuing to tune in to Faith FM and this afternoon's program, Looking Up. You're listening to me, Peter Watts, and my good friend and co-host, Danny Malenkov. We've been talking about Revelation chapter 13, which is a heavy, heavy chapter. Um, But we've been talking about the image of the beast. Next week, we're going to be talking about the mark of the beast. And right now, we're just talking about the number 666. And we wanted to uh, remind ourselves that the number 666 is an identifying characteristic of the beast power. So it is the number of the beast, and we've recognized that the beast power represented here is uh, the Roman state power. And uh, we did all, the Bible also tells us it's the number of a man, and that man would, would naturally tend to be the head of state, uh, and that, of course, would be the Pope. And then it's the number of his name. So how in the world is 666 the number of his name? Well, I'm going to tell you a, a little story now about some of the history of uh, the Church of Rome. Back in the 8th century, when um, Rome was seeking to establish itself as the authority over all of the churches um, and also in political matters, a, a forged document was created in the 8th century. It was called the Donation of Constantine. Now, Protestants, Catholics, everybody recognizes that this was a forgery. Nobody denies that it was a forgery now. But at the time, it was forwarded as a, a document that was purported to be from the 4th century, from the time of Constantine. It was called the Donation of Constantine. And in this document, it was claiming that when Constantine moved his capital from Rome to Constantinople, or what we would call today Istanbul, that he donated the authority of Rome to the papal power. That is the claim in this document. And in this document, the papal power, the Pope himself, is given a title. It's the first time we find this title in literature, in this forged uh, 8th century document, and it's, it's called Vicarious Filii Dei, and it means Vicar of the Son of God. And uh, you wanted to make a comment or know about that, Danny. Yeah, I do. Um, in Revelation chapter 13, verse 1, it also says that this power, this beast power, or the Roman church state, as it's identified there, would also have a blasphemous name. Which verse is that, Danny? That's Revelation 13, 1. It says, and on his heads, a blasphemous name. There you go. And you also have that mentioned um, again in Revelation chapter 13 and Daniel chapter 7. So why is Vicarious Filii Dei a blasphemous name? Well, I did a little bit of looking and I, um, and I discovered 
in the dictionary and I went to the Pocket Macquarie Dictionary and I looked up the word vicar. You mentioned, you know, vicarious filii day, vicar, you know, of the Son of God. And the word vicar means the Pope as Christ's representative on earth or someone acting in place of another. So that's what vicar means. So that is blasphemous because no human being, no human institution can represent Christ on earth. We know who represents Christ on earth, and that's the Holy Spirit. The job is not available. That's right. It's, it's not on the it's not on the job keeper or job seeker list or or anything like that. Um, but seriously speaking, the Holy Spirit is the representative of Jesus. Yeah. Jesus made it clear He's going to heaven, and I'm going to send the Holy Spirit in my name. Another helper. Another helper. The Parakletos, or, or the one who will be beside you. So any human being claiming to be the representative of God on earth is committing blasphemy and and i mean the reason why you know we, we call him the pope it's anti-christos yeah and pope i mean pope comes from the latin papa yes which is father yeah. you know papa father and jesus said call no man father mm. because you only have only one god. father in heaven and that is god alone so we're not talking about you know your human your father dad. yeah no. we're not talking about you know dad father and so we're talking about father from a, a spiritual spiritual, spiritual sense i mean sometimes i chuckle because i have i have people who speak to me you know as um father danny uh, and i'm like no i'm not father danny i am father danny to my two daughters <laughs> but i'm not father danny to anybody else and so yeah so that's a blasphemous name also and it's very it's right there in the title yeah, and as you were saying, you know, it was coming to me. This is why Protestants identified the papal power as the Antichrist, because he places himself in the place of Christ. Mm. It's the and in the so Antichrist means not a, just against Christ, but in the place Place-in. of. Yeah, and if I could just mention this point, Peter, um, and we haven't gone there today, we won't go there. Second Thessalonians chapter two, there very clearly in verses three and four, the apostle Paul predicted that there would be a power that we would seek to take on board the prerogatives of God, would sit in the temple of God, claiming that He is God. Yeah, that's so true. once again, um, that blasphemous Bible, name comes through very clearly. The Bible prophecy has revealed this. This is uh, not only. Uh, Biblically true and historically true, but Protestants have they understood have. this for hundreds well, of years. Exactly. All right, so let's look at this uh, name, Vicarious Filii Dei. Now, you know, many of you may uh, be aware that um, Latin um, is made up of uh, those Latin letters, and maybe you did Roman numerals at school. Uh, I've got a watch that is with Roman numerals on it. It's a pocket watch that my dad gave to me, and... Um, those Roman numerals, some of them have numbers. They have numerical value. So, for instance, vicarious would V equals 5 in the Latin alphabet, I equals 1, C equals 100. If you score a century, you mm. get 100 runs, right? C That's is right. 100. Uh, a has no numerical value. R has no numerical value. I is 1. U is the same as V. There is no letter U in the Latin. It's uh, V, so that would be 5. And if you add up the, the numbers for vicarious, it adds up to 112. Filii adds up to 53. Di adds up to 501. Or put it all together, it comes to 666. And I remind you that this is not a coincidence because the Bible says that 666 was the number of the beast. Well, the beast is the Roman papal power. It is the number of a man. Well, that would logically be the, the one who is the head of state, which is the Pope. And it is the number 
literally the number of his name. And it's a blasphemous name. And it's a blasphemous name. And so this fits very well. Uh, it is a um, something that has been known by Protestants for hundreds of years. And uh, some may doubt that this has been this title, Vicarious Filii Dei, has been used many, many times through the centuries as an authoritative title for the papacy. It's one of the Pope's titles. It's one of the Pope's titles. That's right. And, you know, one of these... Uh, one of these statements that was made, there was um, there's a father in the, uh, the U.S., Father Edward Beck of the Roman Catholic Church, and he is often on media. He was on Fox News on a regular basis, commenting on spiritual matters and, and matters of the church and so forth as a social commentator. Okay, uh, His name is Father Edward Beck, and in November of 2007, they had a piece on the number 666. And I want you to notice what he says on that uh, video. I've actually seen the video presentation of this this news article. But he says, if you take the Latin name that refers to all popes, vicarius filii dei, which means vicar of the Son of God, if you take the Roman numerals out of vicarius filii dei, guess what they add up to? 666. Now, he says this on national live television on Fox News, um, he is recognizing that the name refers to all popes. That's very interesting because he's not saying it's just one. He's saying this name refers to all popes. And he should know he's a father of the Catholic Church, Mm. right? And he's recognizing. Now, of course, he doesn't believe you should apply it this way. But he is recognizing that vicarious filii dei has a numerical value. It does add up to 666. And it is the name of all popes. And that's significant. So the first person to actually come up with this um, interpretation of this understanding of 666 was a man by the name of Andreas Helwig. He was a Protestant Christian from Germany, and he first identified this in 1600. Wow. So that is like four hundred over four hundred years ago. Four hundred and twenty. So this years is ago. not again, Danny. This is not something we just pulled out from under the rug this morning. Or got from the I internet. Thought, oh yeah, last that's night. right. We we didn't get this from a conspiracy theory no. on the internet. No. All right. This is the important point that we're trying to make. Protestantism has forgotten its history. Protestant people in the Western world. We enjoy many of the freedoms that we enjoy, Danny, in the Western world because of what happened at the Reformation. Mm. If the Reformation had not occurred, we would not have the privileges and the freedoms that we enjoy today. That's exactly right. Um, So we just need to understand that. And so many of these things have not uh, been known for many years, uh, but they've always been there in the the history. I mean, another thing in relation to six uh, is... A number that is associated with mankind. It's created on the sixth day. Man was created on the sixth uh, day. It's also crea- It's also associated with the works of man. Mm. Six days you shall labor. Mm. Right? So it's re- the, the number six is related to mankind. It's related to the works of man. It's an incomplete number. The number seven in the Bible is a complete number. That's right. That's God's number. That's God's and it's number. all the way through Revelation. That's right. And the number six, on the other hand, represents incompleteness. It represents the works of man. Um, it's, it's a religion of works. And, uh, yeah, 
it's it's interesting that that number has been chosen six six six. But uh, this is the way it is an another identifying characteristic mm. of the business. And pack. if I could just point out what I shared earlier, this number six 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 reminds us of Daniel chapter three. Okay, there you so? have. Go into that. Well, well, Daniel chapter three, we shared this earlier yep. uh, that there is an image that is established, yes. which there is in in Revelation chapter thirteen, where we find six six six, and that image was sixty cubits high, six cubits wide, and uh, when the depth is not given generally speaking it's the same as the width so we've got six cubits wide six cubits uh deep 60 cubits high you got triple six there and you've got three sixes and this is the false trinity really this is the false trinity um and you have a false trinity in the book of revelation which we don't have time to unpack now i also find that and you're maybe going to go into this but 666 was a key number in the Babylonian system. Yes. Uh, the number six was very key. I remember uh, doing doing some research and discovering that one of their religious amulets um, would have, would have and, it's, and it's a bit hard to sort of picture this. I wouldn't know how to, how to do this. What are those things called, um, Peter, that, you know, people have all the numbers and so forth, almost like a bingo kind of thing. Well, what we call that. Um, anyway, basically... 111 across the top. Now I have this. And 111, yeah, I can see you've got that there also. You've you've looked into that. 111 going down, 111 going, there's six rows going across, six rows going down. And if you go crossways, like a cross from one side to the other, diagonally, it's 666. It's 111 on each one. So that was interesting. And I discovered that the Babylonians had 36 gods. Did you know that? True. 36 gods. They had 36 gods. Their main god was the sun god, followed by the moon god, and so on and so forth. And if you add 1 plus 2 plus 3 plus 4 plus 5 all the way to plus 36, guess what number you get to? 666. True. Phenomenal. Yeah. So, um, yeah, that, that was fascinating. And also, the Babylonians came up with 60 seconds, 60 yes. minutes. Yes. Um, they came up with that. Yeah. And, um, and 360 degrees, yeah. once again, divided by 6. Yeah, very important. That's very interesting, Danny. Um, and what you see, <clears throat> excuse me, we haven't seen this in Revelation 13, but we are going to see it in Revelation chapter 17, is you have a woman who represents the church riding on a beast that represents a state, and you can have a look at the description of that beast and the re- description of the beast in Revelation 13, and it looks like the same power. It's incredible. You've got the church, the state, and it's called Babylon. Mm. Fascinatingly enough. All right. We're going to take another break. We're going to have some music. Uh, Ashray is going to be singing Colours, and so we hope that you enjoy this music. You're listening to Faith FM and our afternoon program, Looking Up. Enjoy the music. It's like painting with a new brush With your eyes closed So unsure about direction But you follow where it goes Bursting into colors from the unknown Refracting images from heaven That is caught between our souls My own house sweet the summer feels right after rain Warm my frozen teardrops melt the glaciers away Up I see a new December Reaching from horizons It feels like Like walking through the sand with 
with no shoes on Or listening to the waves as they're echoing the song Crashing onto shores with arms spread wide Or saying nice to meet you as their whispers fill your mind By all my heart, sweet, it simply feels to start again Salty waves and sunshine came to comfort as a friend I can see a new December calling from horizons It feels like ooh It feels like You were listening to Ash Ray and Colours. And uh, welcome back for our final wrap-up here on uh, the afternoon show. And uh, Danny, I think you're going to tell us a little bit about the uh, giveaway. Yes, I will. The time has flown by. And if you've got the phone handy, now's the time to call for the giveaway. And the giveaway today is Your Story Hour on CD. It's the Heritage of America. Uh, amazing stories. You're just going to love them for children in particular. And so if you'd like to receive this free gift from us this afternoon, call on 1-800-324-843 or you can text us on 0491-064-669. First one, we'll get this wonderful gift. Thank you. All right. So did you tell them about the uh, podcast? Oh, yes, podcast. Thank you, Peter. Um, if, you, if you've missed any other programs, once again, you can go to the faithfm.com.au podcast, looking up, and um, you can find us there. Also, tell your friends. Um, let them know what we are doing. Um, it's very insightful, inspiring. We're looking at what the Bible says, comparing it to history and current events, and they'll be blessed. So, um, yeah, so do, do go and check us out there on the website. Yeah, thank you, Danny. And thank you, uh, listeners, that you've been able to join us today. We've really enjoyed your company. We hope you've enjoyed ours. And uh, we just wanted to remind you that next week we will be unpacking another controversial topic, another topic that's... Hot topic. Hot topic. A topic that has been spoken about and speculated about for many a year, and that is the mark of the beast. So we hope you'll join us for that. If you enjoyed this program, please share it with your friends through the podcast. But uh, we're going to be um, 
wrapping up now. We hope that you have a great week. We'll look forward to joining you again. We just want to remind you of the words in Luke 21, verse 28. Now, when these things begin to happen, look up and lift up your heads for your redemption draws near. We want to thank you for joining us on Looking Up this afternoon. Next week, we'll be coming back same time, 3.30 in the afternoon on a Wednesday. And until then, stay safe and keep looking up. God bless.